Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Armchair Booking Wrestling Podcast. I am your host. My name is Steve, and my co-host is Kyle. Say hello, Kyle. Hello, everyone, and roll tide. Okay, so I kn- now we know who Kyle is going for in the National Championship game. And we've talked before, and that's not just because he's a Michigan fan. It's because in his house they also cheer for Alabama all year long, except for when they play Michigan, apparently. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, me living in Ohio does not make me a Buckeye fan. doesn't make me a Michigan fan either. I'm Tar Heels all the way. However, that's, that's, that's fine ahead. as long as you're not a Buckeye fan. As long as I'm not a Buckeye fan. <laughs> okay. So um, I'm going to go ahead and give our, our contact info and our listening info before I have some uh, some announcements. Um, and unfortunately, they're sad announcements, but I want to go ahead and get the other stuff out of the way first. So um, if you want to contact us, if you want to call in during the broadcast, it's area code 319-527-6089. You can always email us at armchairbookingpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash armchairbookingpodcast. You can find us on Twitter at bookingarmchair. You can find us on YouTube as well. Uh, I have the YouTube link in our bio here. Uh, we are on iHeartRadio, on Stitcher, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify. And if you want to continue to help uh, wrestler Small and Mean Selena Dean with her GoFundMe for her mom fighting uh, breast cancer, we have the link for that as well. We just go to GoFundMe, and then you can do a search for Donna's Chemo Fund. You should be able to find it. If you're still having issues trying to find us so you can donate, just let myself or Kyle know, and we will see you in the right direction. Have I missed anything as far as contact info, Kyle? Contact info, I think you've got everything covered. Okay, and first first bad announcement, this is actually a really, really sad one for us. If you notice, I did not give a shout-out to Jordan uh, Garber this week because, unfortunately, we found out a few days ago that Jordan actually passed away on the 29th of December. Um, it, the only reason I even found out was through social media uh, posts on Facebook where people were all of a sudden tagging him saying they were going to miss him because apparently they had just found out. And I have confirmed that, yes, unfortunately, Jordan has left us. Uh, his parents did post an obituary, and, and it did mention him being a podcaster. The organization that he was a referee with uh, in uh, Winnipeg has also given their condolences as well. And it actually, like I told you uh, earlier, Kyle, it actually hit me kind of hard because I had actually sent a message through um, Twitter, like a direct message on Twitter, to Jordan on the 30th, just asking how he was doing. And I never heard anything back. I was like, well, okay, he must be pretty busy. And then I found out that, unfortunately, he had passed away the the day before. And we don't know how. Uh, There is speculation about some things, but I'd rather not go into those. Um. But I know he will be missed, and he did our podcast a uh, great big favor. He was a good friend of ours, you know, uh, at least to the podcast where he gave us quite a bit of, of visibility that I don't think we would have had otherwise. What do you think, Kyle? I, like we talked about privately throughout the week, uh, having never physically met, we we were still connected through through podcasting 
me doing more interviews than myself uh, through through being a fan and just uh, talking to him. He was a, a good human being that had a whole future ahead of him. And it, it was shocking to, to hear. And just to give you kind of an idea of, of the kind of person he was, I had someone reach out to me directly uh, through Twitter messaging. And it's uh, a woman, I want to say her name is probably Brianna, just judging by her her um, actual Twitter handle. But she's going by the name Sad Diary. Um, but she messaged me and said she's so forever, uh, forever thankful to have known him. Uh, he actually at one point got her a job at a call center, because that's what Jordan actually did for his uh, his primary job. He worked at a call center. And, but she said she knew him before that. At one point, he let her stay at his place when, when she was homeless. And that was just one of the times she was in need. So I mean, if that tells you the kind of person that he was, you know, he let somebody, um, you know, he gave somebody a roof over their head when they needed it. And, you know, he reached out to us. You know, it wasn't us reaching out to him saying, hey, can you give us, you know, some play? I mean, it was him reaching out to us. Right. And, that meant a lot because he said we were doing a good job. And, and that that's the hard thing. Uh, Jordan being Canadian uh, up in Winnipeg, he – it's a different country, but we all have to deal with the same type of COVID restrictions. And I, I know you go in. I, I go in not talking about jobs and everything, but – I go into work and I go into enough places, masked, of course, but where I get contact with people. And and for me, the right type of people. So I can't say I'm a lot around a lot of, a lot of people, but the people I choose to train with or hang out with, watch wrestling with, um, this year have been the right people for me. Um, but COVID has restricted that for a lot of us. It really has. And we talked briefly how wrestling connected us. What do we all do with those connections? Are we, are we reaching out to our friends? Um, I know after you told me uh, about what happened to Jordan, um, I sent a message to a mutual friend of ours because I hadn't heard from him in a month uh, just to see how he was doing. And uh, a few other people through through text or uh, social media that I had not heard from just to just try and keep up. Um, not not knowing where he was at, what he what he's gone through, or what his way of going out was. Um, that's something I'll remember Jordan for, and um, he's going to be missed. Yes, he will. I mean that that's that may even be understating it because you see all the people reaching out talking how much he affected them and you got to think I mean he was really 
in our only in our lives for like the past three months, but he made such a huge impact on on our show. And for him, I mean, and you know, when he said, "Hey, you want me to interview you?" Uh, and that was such a last minute thing. And I wish you would have been able to join us on that one and then the next one. But he happened, he did them both so last minute. I was like, "Hey, dude, can you get on?" And you were like, "Well, crap, no, I'm out. I'm out shoe shopping." <laughs> you know, and um, I was. Yeah, I know, and you were, and you were. I mean, and it was like, uh, okay, you know, I'll, I'll. Um, part of it, we're thinking, well, we'll have time in the future to get both of us on there, and we were able to get him on our podcast, so you were finally able to talk to him, which I was really happy about, you know, because you had some really good questions for him. And then when I, you know, when I sent him that message, I had actually meant to send him to him a couple of days prior just to say, hey, how you doing? Because I was hoping either to get him back on or. or we get back on his, we could schedule something because we seem to uh, have a pretty good connection with him. And it turns out I sent it, you know, a couple of days too late. And, you know, unfortunately, that's just one of the things, um, you know, maybe, I don't know if he'd still be around. I don't want to speculate too much on that. You know, it's already kind of eaten me up a little bit, you know, but it's amazing, you know, three months and he, he went out of his way to help us out, you know, and. Yeah. And, and I think you, you did something, uh, cause you, you react, you did differently than I did. Um, where you reached out to, to your people in a different way and, and personally said what you felt felt you needed to say and gave people an outlet if they were in need for, you talking about what I put uh, on Facebook, on my personal Facebook? Yeah. Yeah. It was, I, you know, and that's one of the things, and I don't want to stray too much off topic because, I mean, eventually we do have to get back to um, the original intent of the podcast for tonight. But, I mean, I will say this for anybody listening, that, you know, for one, don't wait to tell your friends that, that you love them. You know, that makes sense, Kyle? I mean, oh yeah. You know, don't hesitate to tell your friends. You know what they mean to you. Don't play this macho BS where you think, well, guys don't think like that. That's BS. And I'm saying that just like that to keep it family friendly. And, and something we communicated back and forth after the the episode. Um, guys don't talk like that. Um, you have been through some real, uh, and I'm using a word that's not going to sound Englishly co- correct, but real, real moments. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, yeah. Uh-huh. And Unfor- uh, unfortunately, but yeah. And, and yeah, not getting into any of them, but there have been times where you went through things and the, the first one, the one that comes to my mind right away, um, you didn't want to talk about that. And I don't know if I could have either, but the important thing was just reaching out to you and your spouse at that, at that time and, uh, trying to be there. And you were, you guys were going to get through that in your own way and you did 
but being there, being present. Um, I think I saw you guys in Las Vegas. Yep. About a year and a half after about, that. Uh, about three years. That happened in 2001. And actually, it was about three and a half years. Uh, and we all met up in Vegas in August of 2004. That would have been um, so. And you should have looking all swole because that's what you do. Beefy. Uh, I like beefy. <laughs> and, we, and we played some blackjack. But, um, yeah, sometimes being there is uh, more important than which thing um there there are different things uh, sometimes that you need to support um and other times yeah we we do need to be ears and um i i just don't know what happened um so it's not fair to speculate i think we learned quite a bit from him to to see the impact that that he had um and just where he was going with the work he was doing which is also impressive um i know the nwf is going to miss him because he had just started those friday recap shows and was interviewing their talent and you his podcast was growing and be, being he was 25, uh, he had a work ethic that – I sound old. You don't <laughs> see enough of in this generation. This is kind of the give me generation, and he was working for it. And that made him stand out, and he, he was going places. Oh, he was a hustler, no doubt. And just to put it also in kind of um, – context some of the people that he had interviewed included people like dan severn you know former um well ufc uh what would you call him a champion i mean because they didn't really he even had it but he was ufc i mean he was it's dan severn just put it like that if you don't know who dan severn is you know just look him up um and he had branched out and he was also interviewing non-wrestling uh folks personalities as well he was interviewing someone that i cannot remember the guy's name and i feel bad for that but somebody who was actually playing for the yankees he had interviewed some other people so for him to include us with that i mean that was kind of humbling to tell you the truth and before we talk about the royal rumble tonight we were going to take uh 10 seconds in our own way to remember him recollect our thoughts, and then get started with the podcast. God bless you, Jordan. We're going to miss you, brother. So, so tonight... I do have, uh, well, I was going to say two, have two other bits of news, one of which is already on. Um, if you're a wrestling fan, you probably know this, but Drew McIntyre has COVID, and so he's on quarantine at least until he's no longer... Uh, um, positive for COVID, I guess, but the best way to put it. So that's gonna probably gonna affect the Rumble, I would say, because I actually don't even know the date of the Rumble uh, this year. Which I need to look the that Rumble. up. If, if I, you know what, I have the, I have the Wikipedia pulled up right now. I'll go look it up right now. And 
you know, Kyle, how I was going to uh, record the match between Meaningly Selena Dean and the two of them in the triple threat match. That's been put on hold for now, right here in the great bustling metropolis of Mount Orb, where I live, population, you know, like 3,000 or something. But the Brown County, Ohio Board of Health has put it on hold for right now, pending some decision. I don't know what exactly the decision is. I may actually reach out to the um, executives at the NWF just to find out something. Um, but, yeah, right now that's it's kind of been put on hold. But once it comes back up, I am still planning on a recording, at least that match, because I know you can't make it unless for somehow you can make it out there out here. Before it happens, you know, you're welcome to stay with us, especially since uh, we have an extra bedroom all of a sudden. <laughs> so unless unless she's back that weekend, because they're talking about moving all her classes uh, back online again, if they do, then she's like, I'm coming home, you know, because there's no reason to stay up in the dorm just to be online. But we'll see, because one of her classes is supposed to be a lab and labs you can't exactly put online. But anyway, but yeah, um, yeah. So that's and news. I, so <laughs> go ahead. I know schools are uh, delayed out here as well. Um, my son won't start until February now. Wow! And then he uh, he won't actually go back to classes like physical classes. They think until March because of the new strain. Now. Having had COVID, I will test positive for 90 days in total. Uh, The Royal Rumble is January 31st this year. And so Drew McIntyre should be fine by then. Able to work remotely. And uh, he'll be able to do some promo work, which he hasn't been too bad at. And the match with Goldberg looks like it's still going to be a go. I still don't want to think about Goldberg coming back again, but, you know, we'll leave that discussion for um, (laughs) some time later. But tonight, we're going to be armchair booking top 10 Royal Rumble match moments. And in case, you know, somebody who is listening right now has never listened to one of our top 10 shows. How we calculate this is myself and Kyle, we come up with our own top 20. And actually this one, I, you came up with like 25. I came up with like 25, but either way, but we're still only making the, you know, the top 20. And yes, I do realize we're saying, but we're coming with our top 10, but how we do this. All right. Kyle comes up with his, I came up with mine. And actually if anybody else wants to participate, they can. So just send us yours. Anytime we have a top 10, and then he has his rank. Now, his number one will get 20 points. Number two will get 19 points. Number three will get 18 points, so on and so forth. And then we take those and uh, we combine them because there are going to be some, we already know this, that Kyle and I are both going to have our own list. And whoever has those most combined points obviously is number one. So, and then, of course, the second amount is number two, third amount is number three. And we only get the top ten of those. And there, there have been occasions where, even though we say top 10, we'll end up with a tie for 10. So we'll end up with 11 
or he made, I think one time we actually had 12, didn't we? I don't remember what it, what subject it was, but I thought we actually had 12 one time. We had 12 because we had three sevens and three nines. <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, so that <laughs> that makes it you know a little a little interesting. Um, and, and the one thing you sort of changed on this was the Royal Rumble match itself not the Royal Rumble card. Yeah, and that was actually something that I thought was um, kind of a given, but it didn't matter. There was only like one that it affected. I don't even remember what it was now. Um, oh, the well, Owen were, turns, yeah, it was Owen turns on Brett, which wasn't part of the match itself. No, and the Rock versus Mankind. The yeah, mankind. That, actually, that, actually, what, what, that actually was not even at a um, Rumble. Oh no, the Rock versus Mankind. Yeah, that was at a Rumble. I thought you were talking about the retirement. You said the retirement match, which that one was actually at the next pay per view. And there was Triple H versus what Cactus Jack in a cage. The sup, yeah. And, um, yeah, but it it was a a real kick to go through all these Royal Rumble moments. Um, I know we. We differ on on a few where I list some and then you don't and you list some and I don't and we we also differ in numberings where I have one way higher than you and vice versa. But the the top the top part of the list we're not spot on for this one. We're pretty but, close. Yeah, we're on point again. So I guess I will start because this one is one of mine. I, and I this thought about this one too because it was it was fun to watch. But go ahead. And, and I I actually watched this um, at Outback tonight uh, very briefly, <laughs> but. Um, from 1989, the second Royal Rumble, and the first to be on pay-per-view, when number one and number two is Axe and Smash of Demolition. And they put it to each other and really proved the every man for himself concept, which is what I think they were going for. I, I believe so. And, and I think but at least back then, anyway, they would have rather have it have be two heels against each other than two baby faces against each other. Makes sense. But that moment to start off the match, how great was it to hear their theme music? Here comes the axe. Here comes the smasher, and then they start fighting. Yep. Well, it was funny because you know I don't remember who went in first. Um, if it was Darso or if it was Edie, and they said, okay, now who's going to be the next one? The music stops for like a split second, and then they started again. <laughs> it's like, oh, they're going against each other. And, and uh, to hear Gorilla Monsoon, and they really hyped it up. They're going at each other. Yep. Until the next person came in, but – and who was the next person? I don't Moment-wise, just the shock and the surprise, I think the fact that I was uh, 10 years old 
kind of elevated the moment for me. But they fought, and it, it popped the crowd. Uh, the next person to come in was Andre. So with the go. So yeah. Um okay. Yeah, the next one to, person to come in was Andre. <laughs> so uh and, and Andre, uh correct me if I'm wrong, Andre made my list from that year. He did as well. But not high enough. This is the year that Andre the Giant uh, Jake the Snake had pulled Damien out, and yep. Andre eliminated himself, and that man ran it back. Yeah, he saw that. He's like, "Whoop, gotta go." <laughs> and, uh, I probably would have been the same way if I. I think everybody kind of, you know, boom, they were gone. Da- and, Damien is uh, Damien was something else, but o- overall, from the 1989 Rumble, the second one. We have four different things listed. So maybe the newness of the event or the way it was booked briefly. Uh, why do you think we remember that one so much? Well, I think back then because, you know, one of the things you had listed was, of course, DiBiase buying spot number 30, um, which was a cool moment. And I think part of the reason why we're choosing a lot of these is because they're, they're just – they're cool moments. They're fun to watch. Watching Axe and Smash beat each other up, even if it is for only you know two minutes, is it's it was fun to watch. Uh, but DiBiase buying spot number thirty, ha ha ha! He's the evil million dollar man. Okay, Hogan and Savage. This is when they had their face off, and it actually I don't even know if face off is really the the best word because they were still partners at the time. Savage was still a face. This is before. He turned on Hogan, but Hogan eliminated him. It was not, it was supposedly an accident, but Hogan eliminated him, and then Savage ran, jumped back in the ring, and of course pushed Hogan in the back. I mean, and everything looked real, and I think that's why we still kind of reference these is because they still looked real, and they still had good guys and bad guys. And even though it was every man for himself, but if you notice, once it started being kind of split, you know, half heels, half faces. Then everybody's kind of started pairing up, even if they weren't normally partners, tag team partners or otherwise, they were still teaming up. Like the bad guys were teaming up against the good guys. Yeah. Right. right. And I think that's why we still kind of harken back to those days. And the Royal Rumble did not, the winner of the Royal Rumble did not, it really didn't mean anything yet, and it wouldn't mean anything for another three years because it was three years after this where Flair won the world title. And that's maybe where somebody went, hmm, let's give a prize for the, a real prize instead of, yeah, you won the Rumble. All right, cool. I guess I'll go you know, use that, and uh, you know, and, and five bucks will get me a, a six-inch at Subway. But, but anyway, um, but yes, and that was just fun to watch. Go ahead. It made booking for WrestleMania, and, and I guess if you look at the the original winners, Hacksaw Jim Duggan being one, 
did not ha- well he got busted with uh cannabis and cocaine which ruined his push then then 89 was Hogan 90 was Hogan no 89 was uh Big John Stud 90 and 91 was Hogan oh, I got my years mixed up but 80 so 89, they're planning on making Big John Studd a face and redoing the Andre feud. Um, Hogan, obviously, WrestleMania main eventing on both occasions. Flair was the main event at WrestleMania as the t- title holder. Co-main event, not the last match, though. Well, he, he was the middle of the card main event, which was a travesty, but anyway. And after that... It builds Yokozuna was the first winner to get a guaranteed title shot. Yes. And, and that's that would have been and now that's when they, they start the whole thing. They're going to WrestleMania. Well, what does that mean they're going to WrestleMania? I'm assuming they're gonna to go to WrestleMania anyway. You know, I've I've never liked that that phrase. They're going to WrestleMania. No, uh, they're already gonna go. Now they got they have a title shot. I want you to say that. And like one we don't we don't have because um, it was after the match was the debut of Ronda Rousey. That's very true. Yep, and and that was hard because it was not the Royal Rumble match. This was after, and that would have made it part of the card, right? But. Since we're talking about one of the very first Rumbles, but it was Rumble number two, the next one on our list actually came from last year's Royal Rumble, and this was when they still had a live crowd right there, and I, I thought that crowd, it, it, I thought the, the roof was going to cave in because of this pop. When you hear that music hit, because Edge has returned from being away for nine years. Because, were you watching it live? I was. And when you heard the music, you know, you think you know me. Did you jump out of your chair? You go, no way. I did not. And this is where the internet spoiled me. Um, I had come across a rumor that he was coming back. And, and he tried to downplay it. But before he came out, it was already out that he was going to be in the match. I didn't see that, thankfully. So this is where the internet is, again, the devil. And and sometimes the ruiner of wrestling and moments. But I was waiting for him to come out. I wouldn't necessarily say the internet is the ruiner. Um, I will say there are people who use the internet to ruin. Uh, Just like when Force Awakens came out. I was on Facebook, and I think I was actually on a wrestling group, and all of a sudden, some idiot post Hondas. <laughs> and it, it because the, the movie came out on a Thursday. I was going the very next evening. I was taking my daughter to go watch, watch it on the Friday. And the 24 hours in between that time, some, there were so many people that kept posting it, 
I guess they thought they were being cute. There was some guy in California that ended up getting put in the hospital because he walked out of the, the showing itself, and there was a line of people going to the next showing, and he walks out and says, Han dies. And they grabbed him, and they beat the living mess out of him. I mean, and they put him in the hospital. And, you know, even my daughter, she had somebody text her, and it said, Han dies. And she's texting back one. Why did you do that? He's like, oh, I thought you knew. No, I told you I'm not watching it till tonight. My yeah. my son was able to predict the events of all the Star Wars. He predicted it because he had a friend who was a Star Wars geek. And I use that term properly because of uh, what he talked about all the time. But my son predicted all of it, much like I predict wrestling cards. And he turned out to be 100% right. Actually shocked me. But did he predict Edge returning? Well, some wonderful human being on the internet (laughs) did. Somebody did. And accomplishment the moment um one one of the most charismatic stars of the attitude era era um to come back um from stenosis and to be in that type of physical condition to it it showed how much he loved wrestling wanted to perform and not not only you're a, you're a fan, but in another way, you want to see good things happen to to people like that. Yes, and, and that that he was going to be back. He he was going to be a WrestleMania, and he was going to get it end on his own terms. Oh my, um, kind of, sort of, off subject, sort of, in a way. My wife just texted me. In fact, you know what? I'm going to send you this text just so you can enjoy it too. Um, and she's not a so, wrestling fan, but yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. While we're going on, uh, our number eight moment, and this comes from 1994. It's the Lex Luger Bret Hart double elimination. And this set up the co main event at the double title match at WrestleMania 10. Which was one of the best WrestleManias, I think. But anyway, go ahead. I didn't think this could happen. That you get two people out in such. Synchronous motion, where both feet like could you really tell who hit first? Well, they. I'm I'm pretty sure you've heard uh, Bruce Pritchard talk about it on his podcast. Is they had uh, to really practice it and practice it, and they put Brett you know, is the one to make sure is happening because they trusted Brett 
because of his experience, obviously, but they, they trusted Brett more than they did Lex to make sure they hit at the same time because even though the camera angles, they for somehow they could not get the camera over there at the right angle. You couldn't really see what was happening. No way. Yeah, but, you know, imagine that. Oh, they, just, they just don't have the right camera angle. They set it up to where it they did land at the same time, and which meant that Brett had to – the way Brett pushed Lex, and they went over, and so Brett was the one watching Lex's feet to make, you know, make sure Lex, you know, he was going to, because Lex was more or less blind. He was doing it, so Brett was the one who had to make sure that he put his feet down at the same time as Lex. So I, I thought it was obviously very original. And one of the things that also came out was, how they determined who was going to win the title at WrestleMania was when they were raising each man's hand individually at the Rumble. Brett got more cheers. That's right. how they decided that. The great test, and, and this is almost a discussion for a future podcast, the failure to truly book WCW signings in the WWF was that booking or lack of desire because Vince did not create their star well when he brought Lex in he didn't bring in Lex to be a wrestler he brought him in but but. I know I, I know a lot about this subject Lex Luger had a year to go on his WCW contract when he wrestled his last match against Sting at Super Brawl 3. So he had met all the matches that he was supposed to do in his contract. So he couldn't sign a wrestling contract with another organization. But he could sign a bodybuilding contract. Right. That did not that did not violate the no compete clause. Now to Lex's downfall, he injured himself in the motorcycle accident and had to have the forearm surgery and other things that went on. And you bring him out debut him in WWF as the narcissist. That gimmick sucked. I was about to say the, uh, yeah, the the narcissist gimmick was just, uh, the name itself was stupid. The narcissist. I I mean, and I could figure it out, but just by watching how he acted. But, um, and instead of making him the next Lex Luger. They tried to portray him as a face as the next Hulk Hogan. Right. And Hogan's time had come and gone. And they They kind of, um, well, to me, the WrestleMania that followed this one, when when they had the double title match, you know, of course, Lex against Yokozuna, um, and then Brad against Yokozuna, and before that, Brad against Owen, WrestleMania 10. 
more than made up for the absolute garbage that was WrestleMania 9. Right. But I always wanted to see Lex and Brett actually wrestle each other because I thought that would have been a decent match. Leave Lex as a bad guy. You know, having... But anyway... It would have, maybe with a different manager, someone that fit his personality. Uh, they tried to put him with Bobby Heenan, but Bobby was kind of done as a manager by then. Uh, it didn't have his heart into it. And Alex needed a a mouthpiece or a heater, as they call it. But this, this whole thing, to see two guys go over the top, not knowing who the winner was, um, moment-wise, like, it, it kept you in suspense. And to follow through, you didn't get the decision till the following Monday Night Raw. Was it Monday Night Raw? Because I, I was actually in Japan when this one happened, so I wasn't able to catch the Raw. But one of the things I noticed, and I think we may have done each other a disservice, because I think we there was another double elimination, or a tie, if you will, that was not planned. And they had to go back and redo it. And that was when John Cena and Batista when they had their foul up and they actually did um, let's see Batista picked up Cena to do a power bomb, but then he lost his balance and they both flipped over the top rope and they both landed at the same time. And you can see that the camera is right there on it. They both landed at the same time. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> what do we do now? Because that, that was, and then of course that's when Vince comes out and he tears his quads sliding into the ring which I did list as a moment. Right. You listed Vince tearing his quads. I listed the double elimination. I have a feeling, that's what I'm saying, we did each other disservice. If we'd have put those two moments together, they actually would have been in the top ten. And, and that's the hard thing because the way they did that, they basically restarted the match. Yeah, they had to. I mean, because Vince wanted a winner. Even but, though I they uh, they could have done something different, and he didn't have to tear his quad. <laughs> it's not funny, but I just but, picturing him trying to stand up and plop. They really didn't have to to do that because they they had the next month's pay per view booked. Like it was made for them. Yeah, those two wrestle, and the winner goes to WrestleMania. Now the fit exactly not a throwaway, but okay. But yeah, they, armchair yeah, you're, you're, exactly. That's that's what we're here for. Yeah, we're calling it how that one should have gone, but that one unfortunately, I, it, I think if we would have combined them, they would have. Um, if you would have put them together, because Vince wouldn't torn, yeah, he would not have torn his quads. I uh, had it not been for. Cena and Batista, you know, well, botching. <laughs> Best way to put it. But speaking of John Cena, uh, moving on, our I, just, I 
man, I'm, I'm all, all over uh, paying attention today. We have a tie for number six. Just some notes is a tie. The first one is mentioned John Cena when he made his return in 2008. And this is from the pec tear, right? I believe so. He was supposed to be out like another three or four months. Then all of a sudden he returned at number 30. The Madison, it was Madison Square Garden for this one. When he came out, that place erupted. And as much as you have moments where Super Cena should not have gone over someone, his ability to return from injury and work ethic and motivation to come back after injury uh, really on display. Cause, and that crowd gave him a lot of love that night. The way the crowd erupted, there's been some people say that the crowd was half uh, for him, half against him. And you know, I don't know. I mean, I heard most of the cheers. It was it, a, to me. If we were to play that back, it, it sounds like mostly cheers. Yeah, I mean, you may have a few people in there who would start, you know, the uh, the Cena sucks chance. But to me, most people were cheering because and the man came back and it was uh, so unexpected and it was actually a good surprise. It um, it wasn't like it. I mean, number thirty is supposed to be the advantageous spot, even though number twenty-seven is one more. And speaking of which, out of the thirty-seven Royal Rumbles, number twenty-seven has won four times. It may be more times than any of the other ones, but it's really not that many. You know what I'm saying? But it it's what. Uh, eight more minutes. Yeah. In, well, we'll put that in quotes. Eight more minutes. Um, actually, six more minutes. Oh, yeah. Any, either way, um, they they've admitted. Yeah, they kind of fudge the times a little bit, just kind of depending on what's going on. But the the match, the the elimination. Cena comes back. He's set up for for WrestleMania, and of course, he won that year. But one one thing that goes along with these moments is the crowd response. And you heard it with Edge. You heard it with Cena, and with this next one that we're about to go over. And this is from the created Women's Royal Rumble. Yes, I believe this was the second Women's Rumble. And uh, I, I know I I popped for this. Um, this is where Becky Lynch... What's the word? She... Um, she inserted herself as number 30 because Lana was hurt because Lana had the, the most exaggerated limp I think I've ever seen <laughs> when she was walking. Oh, I don't know. My, oh. and, and I remember that they did do that storyline. They did that entire night 
they did it perfect, in my opinion. That that night, because she had lost to Asuka in a championship match earlier on the card. Right, it was like the first or second match. So we are conditioned to believe that Becky Lynch's night is over. And as number 30, Lana comes out with her her hobble. And I can't, uh, how did Lana get hurt? Her, she fell. Uh, uh, she, I, I want to say she hurt herself coming down the ramp. I, I, I thought somebody actually hurt her. But either way, uh, Becky Lynch sees her, comes out, talks to Fit Finley, and basically coerces herself into the Royal Rumble match where she proceeds to, and that's the, the evolution to the man. Lana was her pre-match, or pre-card. She was in part of the dark matches. She was there with Rusev. But Becky Lynch coming out, the crowd wanted it. And, and this is something where maybe w, you want to believe WWE has learned from prior mistakes, i.e. Lutista. Um, <laughs> but they gave the crowd what they wanted. And they they... Like I said, they wrote it perfect. Lana being hurt pre-match, Rusev accidentally knocked her off the apron. That's what hurt her leg. And I was talking to my wife before that. I'm like, when she came out of hobbling, I'm like, Becky Lynch is going to come out and take her spot. Watch. Next thing anyway, Becky Lynch comes out and takes her spot. And they that was perfect because you had, a, you had an angle that took place that started before the actual main show started. So it was actually during the dark matches when Lana got hurt. And then, of course, she had the whole thing with Becky losing. But she still wants to shot, you know, she still wants to get the world title. And so they kind of combined those, those storylines. And I thought it was great. Uh, continuity is something that lacks in WWE long term. But for that night, they, they did it really well. And I thought that was actually one of the better um, overall shows. I mean, if we want to go like a an entire Rumble card and just rate the whole things, you know, some of the better ones, I think that one would actually rate pretty high just because of the way they they um, the way they did that. Yeah, I'm about to drink something. My throat's starting to go dry, and I'm starting to sound stupid. That's what I do. All right. So we've got two number sixes. The next one is number five, and. <laughs> I still get a kick out of this one when it comes up. It'll it'll show up in some Facebook highlights uh, this month and some random videos. But this is where Tough Enough winner Maven is inserted into the Royal Rumble and somehow gets a fluke elimination on The Undertaker. Do you know how many times I've watched this one? 
this particular <laughs> rumble just because of this moment right here. <laughs> because <laughs> the and I, even thinking about it now, I mean, I can't help but just laugh. It, um, it's it's the shock and awe of this moment, and then his their faces. Like the Undertaker's face when he hits the floor because that, he's biker Undertaker. <laughs> yeah, it was biker Undertaker. And, and, and uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> grow out of his head. And it's like a cartoon. Because right before all that, the Hardys and Lita, the Hardys had been in there. You want to talk about also about. Um, tag team partners fighting each other because at one point, first Jeff and Matt are in there, it's just them. And then other people come in there and then they turn on them. But the Undertaker had come in and they're, I mean, they're just pounding on, pounding on them. And Lita comes in the ring and she's, you know, joining in the ring. She's kicking them in the ribs. And, you know, well, he manages to eliminate both of them. And then they jump back in there again and they're trying to kick him again and he throws them all out. I want to, you know, he even throws Lita out. And Maven in the meantime had come in the ring and while the Undertaker's kind of jawing at the Hardys, you know, get out of here, get out of here, that's when Maven drop kicks him in the back and just right over the top rope. And just way the Undertaker sold it also. You know, like, burr, 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 and he just kind of flops over, boom, and he stands up, and his face was like, it was the, did that really just happen? And then the next face, when he just kind of turned around slowly and walked back into the ring slowly, you're like, oh, this is not going to be good. Maven, you might you, you might you just run and he doesn't run. No matter how many times I watch it, he never runs. And, and this is where the Undertaker is not doing the Tombstone; he's doing the Last Rites Powerbomb. Right. And he planted Maven on the mat. And you know, everybody, all, all the records you always see say when he took him back, and of course he threw him. <laughs> To the popcorn machine, and then Andre got some popcorn and ate some of it, you know, because, well, you know, the popcorn, you're not going to pass that up. But before he did that, he actually had him in there. He did throw him over the top rope. Now, technically, the Undertaker was eliminated, so it really shouldn't have counted. But it happens for other people. They get thrown over the top rope by somebody who's not actually technically in the match. So I'm going to go with it. But either way, it was. It was one of those, and the crowd, like you said, when the crowd popped, when that happened, like, I cannot believe we just watched this. But You kind of see it all the time where someone who's ousted comes back in to, to finish the beating, or if you're Hulk Hogan in 1992, um, throwing a fit like a big giant entitled baby. But yep. this was this was a beating of epic proportions. <laughs> he did. Too. I mean, he made he made him bleed. And uh, have you actually read or seen an interview when they actually talk about Maven, his condition that he was in during this match, like really actually pre-match because he was so nervous uh, because. He's Maven. Okay, yeah, he won the very first Tough Enough, but he's going to be in there with The Undertaker, one of the most respected stars of wrestling ever. 
Well, have you heard yeah. about about that? What the Undertaker suggested he do? No. <laughs> uh, Maven was very, very drunk. I could see that Undertaker yeah. being a fan. Yeah, the Undertaker told him drink a little bit. You know, if you have to, you know, to kind of calm your nerves. You know, and he drank a lot to really calm his nerves. But yeah, so Maven was was apparently he was three sheets to the wind during that whole time. But <laughs> it's still a great moment, obviously, for us. We wouldn't have had it on our list. Now, this um, this next one, number four, your number one, slightly lower for me, but an awesome moment, maybe the first of its kind. Now, I... I, I think you should cover yours because I remember the moment for something, not just the skin, the cat. You called it the one foot. The Shawn Michaels yeah. one foot. Yeah, I just called it Shawn Michaels almost eliminated. Either way, I mean, it's uh, the same moment uh, where Shawn Michaels, who came in as number one, followed by the British Bulldog at number two. People don't give him props. But he came in at number two, and number two, there's really not that much difference between number one and number two, if you ask me. You're both in there for the same amount of time. But the Bulldog and, and, and HBK, they lasted the entire match, and this was, this was the year they decided to do one-minute intervals instead of minute-and-a-half or two-minute intervals. And so it actually is the shortest rumble ever. I think it's even shorter than the 1988 one, which only had 20 competitors. But Bulldog... Throws him over the top rope, and you see Sean. It looks like he's out. He it looks like he's down, and Bulldog runs and gets on the second turnbuckle, faces the crowd, raises his arms, and you well, hear his music. Da, 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 you know the uh, that's, that. that's what got me as far as moments go. The error that the and it really to sell the moment, but that they played the Bulldogs' move music and made it seem like he won. And Shawn Michaels comes out of nowhere, dumps him over the rope, and it turns out Shawn Michaels won. Yep. And this is the year after the double elimination. And just the, well, what was that? Like, I thought Bulldog won. And then there's chaos or a little confusion. Well, Shawn Michaels' foot, only one foot touched. Right. And you had, and, and I don't remember them ever really talking about it too much before was the two feet rule. Both feet had to be on the ground. It wasn't at the same time, right? Like a pivot yeah. foot? And... and that that's where the one foot rule uh, came into play, and you just see the instant replay, and how cool was that? Yep, because and how many people could have pulled it off? I think Shawn Michaels is one of the few. I mean, he's flailing about, he's flailing about, you know, he's kicking that leg, and finally he's able to get his balance enough where he kicked himself up to where he's. 
on the mat under the bottom rope, and he comes up, and he knocks Bulldog off his perch, and boom, there you go. Because I think Shawn Michaels was probably one of the original escape artists when it came to not being eliminated in Rumbles. Because you look at uh, the Rumbles past, um, like I know in, yeah, actually, actually the few Rumbles before that, he was doing kind of the same thing. You try to get him out, I uh, can't get him. You know, he was always managing to get his way back in. So it didn't surprise me when he was able to pull this off. Third, our number three, very high. We both ranked it number three on our list. Uh, so it's in its destined spot. Uh, still, although they've done other title matches for the Rumble, Ric Flair winning in 1992 is entrant number three. One of the best and most shocking moments in the Rumble. And to me, this is still the number one Rumble, even though it's now almost, it's 29 years old this year. And think about that, it's still standing up. And part of that is, you know, if you look at the talent that's actually in this Rumble, part of the reason why you look how many former world champions, not just in the, the at the time of WBF, but uh, former NWA or AWA world champions were in this one. And then there was a couple of future ones as well. And, and this is before they started hot shot and where everybody gets a chance at the title, like Oprah giving away cars. You know what I'm saying? And, and you get a car and you get a car and you get a car. But the, the thing for this rumble, one, and I'm still a Hogan fan at this point, but this is where you notice that the crowd is turning on him. Yep. Done with superhero Hogan. And his, his run is about to end. Well, and I think part of that was also it was starting before the Survivor Series of the past uh, Thanksgiving where he had lost the title to The Undertaker, but he was cheating during that match. You know, he likes to rake the eyes. He likes to scratch him on the back, even though The Undertaker at the time it didn't matter because, you know, he wore that kind of a bodysuit type deal. But he threw the ashes in The Undertaker's face to win the title, and that's what caused the title to be held up. And they were tired of old. You know, I'm the good guy. I'm Mr. Clean, super squeaky clean, and then he's doing stuff like that. So nobody could believe it. They're like, no, you're not. And the some of the other things, Sid Justice, who would be Sid Vicious or Psycho Sid, they, gosh, for not having much of a promo or being a great promo, he was really getting over with the crowd and they kind of blew it. Like, no wonder why he left. Well, because he was a face before this match. Right. He And he turned, he officially turned heel at Saturday night's main event the next month. Ironically, in a tag match with Hogan, they had their their next big 
larger-than-life star. And he could have been the next one opposite Flair. Uh, Sid Vicious and Ric Flair, I do not recall having matches. Uh, You know, that's something to have to look up because I know that Flair really doesn't care for Sid. Because he's dangerous but, in the ring and bat and the little incident with the scissors over in London where he and Arn started getting all, all stabby with each other. This is uh, pre-stabby. This is pre-stabby. That hadn't happened yet. But um, you had that. You had Rowdy Piper winning the Intercontinental title that night. Yes, because he actually technically... He had a chance to win both titles on the same night. And so he did double duty, which was cool. Um, just the – there were no jobbers or enhancement talent. This was the best of the best in, in that Well, when I looked in there in the ring during this one, and – like I said, you know, you start mentioning all the, at the time, former world champions uh, that were in there. And if I, if I just look at the roster right now, let's see, Flair, obviously, Shawn Michaels, future world champion, Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Erich, he had beaten Flair uh, for the world title, and Flair beat him back. You know, and, and that was uh, eight years prior. You had... um See, The Undertaker. Technically, he was a former world champion at this point. You had Savage. You had uh, Slaughter. You had Hogan. You had Rick Martel. You had all, I mean, that alone. And that's not even including the ones who didn't ever win a world title, um, like Berserker. Berserker was a big man, maybe could have done more. Uh, but you had, like, Nikolai Volkov. You had the Barbarian. You had Haku in there. Um you had Jerry Sags, you know, more known for tag team wrestling, but you had uh, Hercules. You had uh, Boss Man in there. You had Jake the Snake because this was the one where Savage had eliminated himself accidentally, but they're like, uh-oh, <laughs> he wasn't supposed to be gone yet. So right. He came back, yeah, he came back in, and that's when Bobby Heenan tried to play it off. Oh, because nobody threw him over. And it's like, uh-huh. Yeah, we've seen that before, you know, just three years prior when Andre stepped over and walked away because of a snake. Did not to remember that. Um, oh, Colonel Mustafa, Iron Sheik, that was another former world champion. But, but yeah, this lineup was just um, – ex- that's what to me the 92 one is the best, period. And just that that moment that this was really Flair's coming out party up north where he he really was the 60-minute man and everything he said he was in promos before that. Bobby Heenan the whole time saying, it's not fair to Flair. It's not fair to Flair. It, you know, the whole match. And then as soon as Flair won, he was like, I got to go. And he ran back there and, and Flair cut the, uh, 
I say it with a tear in my eye. This is the greatest <laughs> moment. And, and Flair, you know, his promos are right up there with, with all the best. Yeah, people talk about the Mount Rushmore's and Flair cutting promos is right there. If he ain't on the Mount Rushmore, he's like the next exhibit right down the road in South Dakota. And that's the one where Bean Gene snapped at Bobby Heenan because he lit a cigarette. Was it Bobby Heenan who lit the cigarette? Yes. <laughs> Bobby but I have always wondered that because the last a lot of people have put that cigarette out. I've, a lot of people have been wondering, like, who's smoking? <laughs> I, I I got a kick out of that. And um, seeing Flair's face in that promo right now, and you go, man, Bobby Heenan, Kurt, Kurt Henning, and Mean Gene are all gone. They're all gone. Yep. But going from that to probably the first face-to-face interaction of its kind, and this is where Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior met in the Royal Rumble match in 1990, came to each other, gave each other a couple pushes, bounced off the ropes like a bunch of goofy old men, <laughs> shoulder-blocked each other, and then double-clotheslined each other. And that was the the tease. Just perfect booking. And even though Hogan and Savage had kind of had a face-off the year before, it was not like this one, because the year before, Hogan had eliminated Savage accidentally. Accidentally. But, and, you know, Savage came back in the ring, confronted Hogan, and then left, you know, you take care of it, you know, your brother. You know, and, and Hogan and Savage had actually already had matches previous because they had had matches before Savage ever got the Intercontinental title. And then when Savage got the Intercontinental title, they actually had even more matches, and they were good matches. And, of course, then Savage turned face. Um, lost the Intercontinental, well, he lost the Intercontinental title to Steamboat at WrestleMania three. Then he ended up turning face later on that year because the fans liked him anyway. And he won the world title at WrestleMania four. And so 80, um, excuse me, 89 was right before WrestleMania five where the mega powers explode. Hogan and warrior. Now it's 1990. Hogan has a title back from where he beat Savage and everybody in warrior was intercontinental champion. So every, everybody's wanting to see this match because I remember I was wanting to see this match. And I was surprised we got said match. And ironically, uh, I got quite upset at WrestleMania 6 when Hogan lost. My brother threw out his Ultimate Warrior wrestling buddy in anger when the Ultimate Warrior lost the title at the Royal Rumble the following year. He got mad that Sergeant Slaughter won the title and then Hulk Hogan won the the Rumble because then you know Hulk Hogan was going to face Sergeant Slaughter at WrestleMania. 
Right. Even though that it wasn't the stipulation of the Rumble, it just so happened to be that Hogan won the Rumble and then went against Slaughter at WrestleMania. So that that moment, um, continuity-wise, boy, Warrior being white hot, WrestleMania, excuse me, uh, the 1990 Royal Rumble for him against Hogan. By the next Royal Rumble, like his his run, kind of kind of over. Like he wasn't well, around much longer after that. Well, he couldn't do a promo. Well, he could do a promo. You didn't know what he was saying. And it was some of the most unintelligible. Oh, 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 you know, and that was about the that was about it. If you couldn't tell what I was but, saying, I couldn't either, and we couldn't tell what he was saying. It, but he was entertaining. He was entertaining. And just different. Uh, I guess the the whole thing we're talking about wrestling. He was the ultimate character. But you take that moment with Hogan there, and obviously he's getting a title title run at WrestleMania six. But by WrestleMania seven, it's a career match with the uh, Macho Man. By SummerSlam, he's gone. Yeah, because that was the SummerSlam where he held up Vince. And then, yeah, he he. It was never the same after that. Right. But overall, um, unique moment, first face-to-face. And going through our our list, we do not have any honorable mentions. No, we don't. Um, So I'm actually just going to just go from the bottom and some of these we have actually already mentioned, but I'm just going to go to the bottom up to up to number 11 before we get to our number one. So the Paul London elimination, do you know which one I'm talking about? Not. It's the one where Snitsky, I believe it was when he clotheslined him and he cut the flip and landed on his face on the, uh, the arena floor. I do not recall that elimination. <laughs> if if you see it, you would go. You would recall it if if I were to show you the video. <laughs> the next one, the Sako versus the Tino Snake. <laughs> this now, one did make me laugh. It, it and again, we're we're talking about moments and just the the ridiculous. The ridiculousness of Sako and Santino, <laughs> and they're, they're all lined up to fight each other. And wow, <laughs> um, I, I saw that on a Facebook clip last week, and that was going to make my list. Um, well, there's that in Santino. He comes up again later on. 
In fact, there was another one that Centino, I thought about putting on my list, but I was like, nah, because I, I thought it would take away from some of the other ones. Um, but when Santino, when Santina was in the women's rumble last year, and he was getting the, the, the stink eye from Beth Phoenix and somebody else, and he pulled out the snake and did the, his little move, the, the cobra bite or whatever, to his chest and eliminated himself. <laughs> but... <laughs> um, but number the next one, I guess it would be like number 29. And I'm actually kind of surprised we didn't have this one higher, but Rey Mysterio wins for Eddie. That was in 2006. Um, I, I understand why you put it down, but I, I didn't personally like it. It, it was that was it's a hard one. It really is. Um, next one, uh, China in in the Rumble, first female. That was a ninety nine. And we are not. You are a girl dad, but you are not woke. The just the shock, and you kind of knew ahead of time, but China was. Uh, a muscled up woman and to she eliminated someone in that match. Mark Henry. And, man. Yeah. That that moment, yes. Um could have been higher. But I I would have put China above number twenty five, which you'll talk about in a minute. Uh, we already talked about Jake eliminating Andre. Uh, Nia Jax, two rumbles in one night. I hated this. Really? And <laughs> Nia Jax is a wrestler. Um, I, I, I'm just not into it. She... The cousin of The Rock which probably gets her more advantages and more leeway of others. She's got a long list of injuring other females, but to get into the men's Royal Rumble match, she takes out R-Truth. She beat up somebody to get in, and I couldn't remember who it was. Yeah, that's right. It was R-Truth. It was R-Truth, and thinking of this from a male perspective – now, Nia Jax, and I'm just being honest, I'm not being anything else. Nia Jax outweighs our truth. Yeah. Two, if our truth strikes her in any fashion, he he can't defend himself. True. But I was just Maybe it shouldn't have been Nia Jax who did this. Maybe it should have been somebody else. But to have two rumbles in one night, you know, that's actually um, – just because she's the only one who's ever done it. Uh, the next one was – we've already mentioned DiBiase buying spot number 30. Uh, the next one from last year, uh, Drew McIntyre eliminating Lesnar because of the huge pop it got because Lesnar had been do- – he had been dominating 
everything, which actually you had Lesnar dominating until he was eliminated, but it was, wasn't part of your top 20. Uh, but I will mention it because you actually did have it um, listed. Just not, not high enough. Um, no, and I don't see it on the, the overall list. Um, so it might have got cut on accident. But I, I think the Drew, Drew McIntyre elimination is built up and becomes more of a moment because Brock Lesnar dominates to that point. Maybe this would be another one that we could have combined. Uh, but uh, the next one, <laughs> Tantino again, the oh. one-second elimination. Because he does that little power walk, you know, like he's walking around the the edge of the interior of a mall, and he's got his power walking on. He gets in there, and boom, done. He, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. <laughs> and, you know, and Kane Kane loses it, and they're laughing at him because I wasn't ready. Same <laughs> with uh, the bushwhacker. Because they were on the Bruce Pitt, Pitt podcast so Friday. You know, I, I've only listened to about half of it so far. I'm behind the podcast right now just because of me being off work, you know, in the past few days. Um, I've listened to half of it. I need to listen to the rest of it. And you take that time. Um, can you name who won? In 2009, can you name the Royal Rumble winner? Who won in 2009 without looking it up? Yeah, because I can't. Uh, 2009, 2009. I want to say Triple H, but I I will go look it up and verify now. No, because it doesn't matter. What you remember from that Rumble is Santino's elimination. That is true. So, making the most out of his time for sure. And Randy Orton. He does, it, was Rain, it was Randy Orton. He definitely doesn't get enough credit, does he? <laughs> that was. I <how> wasn't. <laughs> uh, um, next one we've already talked about Vince tearing his quads. Um, the next one I liked um, is when Diesel was dominating the Rumble in 94 because he walked in. Well, walked in. He he climbed over the ropes into the ring, and he threw out um, Scott Steiner. He threw out one of, um, one of the smoking guns. I think it was uh, Billy. Threw out Owen Hart, which that was the night that Owen turned on Brett. So when he threw out Owen, all of a sudden the crowd just went crazy. Um, did he? I mean, and there was one other one through, but as they coming in, he was he threw out Backlund when he came in. He threw out Virgil when he came in. Um, he didn't throw out Jeff Jarrett. Uh, Savage ended up throwing out Jeff Jarrett, but um, but he threw out the other smoking gun. When I think it was Bart Gun came in second. He threw him out, and. He was just dominating there, and this was where Diesel was established as they were really giving the push to him because before that he was, oh, he's just Shawn Michaels' bodyguard. That's it. Even though I'd seen him in WCW, you had seen him in WCW. We saw him as um, Vinny Vegas, and we saw him as Oz and Master Blaster and 
just these horrible things. And he goes, so, and he's now the bodyguard, but he's still not doing much. This was like his breakout party right here. That's why that's why I listed it. And, and it, overall, so there's not one specific moment out of that. Right, it's just the whole, it, like, however many minutes span of that. And it's a collection, and he does parlay it by November. He's world champion. Yeah, because, yeah, the next the next Royal Rumble, um, you know, he, Sean wins to face Diesel at the WrestleMania for the championship. But uh, moving on, we've already talked about Hogan and Savage facing off. Uh, the next one's your your favorite, Goldberg versus Lesnar in 2017. Um, and and th- this is, qu- to me, quality booking. And Goldberg dominates Lesnar at Survivor Series. And the one guy at the time that put fear into Brock Lesnar's face was Goldberg. Was Goldberg, yeah. Um, and yeah, so when Goldberg comes out and you see Lesnar's jaw drop, um, just a a good moment to put down. Yeah, because the Cain Velasquez experiment that, that that went over well like a fart in church. But uh, the next one I have to throw in there, I guess, because of just historic nostalgia's sake. Uh, Doug and eliminating one man gang to win the first rumble. And uh, harder. Um, you, you probably saw this on the network. Unique fact. What event did WWF at the time use the Royal Rumble to counter program on turn? Clash of the Champions? No, they used that to for Royal for um WrestleMania. Ah. For that um, year. I but think... the Royal Rumble was the first counter programming. I don't remember the pay per view though. What was it? It was on the USA network. Yeah, they had it. They had it for free on your. Well, if you had cable on USA Network. So, just wrestling history and some of the moments, and this. Oh, Duggan could have been a star when he first came out, and then he became a character with the two by four. But, wow. I haven't looked up to see what the um... now. As you do that, explain your next one because there's there's a lot of history in. in... <laughs> okay, it's it's just simply Benoit, hardcore, hardcore Holly, and Eddie beat down Daniel Pewter. That was in two thousand five. Okay. For those of you scoring at home who don't know this history, Daniel Pewter was – he was that year's uh, Tough Enough winner, or he, the previous – he was the Tough Enough winner. During the competition for Tough Enough, during their season, they actually had a 
I guess you want to call it a legit shoot competition. Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle. Yes. Kurt Angle was inviting the tough enough contestants into the ring to try to take him down. I don't remember who the first person was. It was not Peter. Dan Rodimer. Who was it? Dan what? Dan Rodimer was the first one. Dan Rodimer. And, of course, Angle dispatched him pretty quickly. And he said, okay, anybody else? Well, apparently, everybody else was supposed to keep their hands down. Oh, no, I don't want to go in there now. Daniel Pewter raised his hand and said, I'll go in there. And they're like, okay. And they let him come in there, and him and Angle started tussling. Well, he got Angle in a Camaro lock or a key lock, as you want to call it, because Daniel Pewter has a legit UFC MMA uh, shoot fighting background. Yes, he does. <laughs> and he had Kurt Angle's right arm in a Camaro lock, and that's how you could tell that this was not a work. This was a shoot because he had the right arm, not the left arm. And the referee uh, thought real fast, and it looked like Angle kind of pushed a little bit, and he had Peter's shoulders down to the mat. The referee, boom, one, two, three, real quick, and that was it. Even though in a they really only should only had to count to one because it was supposed to be like an amateur match because Kurt Angle is Kurt Angle. And, but you could tell Angle was not happy because he jumped up from that and he got in Pewter's face and he was like, what the F is wrong with you? I mean, and it was, that was legit. And um, now Pewter had kind of, if you, you want to ask me, he kind of upset the herd a little bit. And so when they got him in that rumble, and they got him against Benoit and Hardcore Holly and Eddie. And Eddie wasn't necessarily known for the chops, but, I mean, it wasn't like he couldn't lay him in. But Benoit and Hardcore Holly were known for their chops. They made wow. that – Uh <laughs> Go ahead. And that's, that's the hard thing. Um, unless you were aware of the history – and everything that happened, um, moment-wise, like, as you explain it, and you, I remember the moment, yeah, they they beat Pewter up, and that was to teach him a lesson. In humility. And the tough thing, because he wasn't around very long, that's a a real athlete and a real competitor, a um, predetermined sport. And how do you not... Lesnar got it because he has a charisma and just an it factor. Daniel Pewter did not. No, he didn't. And And (laughs) it was was just... It's brutal to watch it. You know, if you pull up that Royal Rumble, and you, it, it is just brutal. And because you could tell they're not, they're not holding back either. And they're also kind of daring him to retaliate. But moving on from that one, though, uh, we've already talked about Cena Batista, the double elimination. Uh, Kofi's escape artistry. No specific year. 
Because no. Kofi, every year you're like, okay, how is Kofi going to not get eliminated this year? And well, almost like he has to. It's kind of hard to say a favorite one. I kind of like the one where he landed on the chair and he bounces and uh, wheels himself over to the to the ring steps. <laughs> um, I, you could use John Morrison hanging on the edge of the wall, Kofi with the handstand one year. Yep, and he kind of he hand, he walks on his hands to the to the steps. Because te- technically that doesn't count, but yeah, he uh, makes the most of his moments. And one of the almost escapes, and it was actually the females. Uh, there was actually uh, two in the same match. One, I cannot remember the girl's name, but it. it she was like a Olympic level gymnast, so it doesn't surprise me. She ended up like on the um, on the other side of basically the the corner post, and she hooked her legs into it, and then did, basically did a sit up to pull herself up. And I was like, "That's pretty impressive." The That's other one was Nanzaro. Uh, Who was it? Cannon Cannon Nanzaro. Her, yes, what you said, and. The other one, I believe this was the same one, the same rumble, where Naomi had made it, and she was on the, like the, I guess the barrier, and she jumped to the steps, and you cheer because she's about to jump back in the ring, and then somebody came in and pushed her off the steps. I was like, I, I couldn't help but laugh because it was so wrong, but it was so funny how they did it. it yeah. <laughs> but, um. Uh, next one, though. Go ahead. Uh, I thought 14 would be higher, and it, it actually doesn't make your list at all. 2010. Well, that, that one was a hard one, I'll be honest with you, because, I mean, I'll tell you this. It, it's like around number 21. So, I mean, if that tells you, I mean, it was that one was a hard one. Where CM Punk in the new Nexus, and he does the live promo, Running people down in during the match, and this is a underused. I w- we have to ask if we get uh, small and need Selena Dean in it on the phone again, if she could pull off the microphone commentary during her match, because that's something that needs to be done uh, on occasion. By a heel. We'll tell you what. Remind me of that question, and if they if they do end up clearing it to have the uh, the event this coming Saturday, Mount Orb, I will give her that question. But yeah, that that was. I like the way you did the promo because after a while, you're like, somebody come in here and shut. Oh no, they can't do it either. You know, you try to get him to <laughs> shut up, and he's throwing them back right. out. Um. Now, the whole thing with Austin versus McMahon, um, which is, of course, the next one. This one was, huh? The whole rumble. Yeah, number one and number two. And I think 
this was before McMahon actually had his theme music of No Chance in Hell. And now he he because he walked out, he just walked out, and that's when everybody saw, oh, Vince works out, and apparently he works out a lot. That kind of threw some people off. Now the the Royal Rumble here, uh, Austin is number one, and he does debut. Um, the No Chance in Hell music is actually the theme of the Royal Rumble that year. Ah, I wonder why Vince didn't walk out with it. And it was because Austin had no chance in hell of winning the Royal Rumble. The and they part take him one corporation takes him out. In the women's bathroom. And he's there, gosh, it was majority of the match. Yeah. Uh and the this particular Royal Rumble match itself is not my one of my favorites because there was too much time outside the ring, which kind of defeats the purpose of the match being it's it's not a falls count anywhere Royal Rumble. It's you have to throw them over the top rope Royal Rumble, which means you need to be in the ring. And this was a Vince Russo. Uh, this is a Vince Russo joint here. And when Austin. Um, at one point when he had Vince, it's like he had him by himself in the ring, and he's like, ah, I got you now. But then later on, of course, Vince, you know, he goes and, and I don't know if he showers up or he just puts on sweats. He comes and sits down, and by this point, Ken Shamrock's in the ring. And says, you really want to go to what, Ken Shamrock? Are you crazy? And, you know, I, I thought that part was pretty good. But the, that particular rumble was, was to me was not not my favorite. Um, but the, the, if you keep it at- uh, 90 seconds during the competitor entrances. And one and two go all the way to the end. And Vince basically comes up from behind and dumps Austin out of the rock ring. When the rock distracts him. And that I guess that result is the most shocking moment that Vince actually got one up on Stone Cold. Yeah. But um, now the next moment, though, um, I think there's been others that have done this, but I think that's because this was the first one. When Jerry Lawler hides under the ring in 1996 because Jake the Snake had come in and he threw Damien in there. And, of course, everybody um, jumped out of the ring. And, in fact, if you watch it and, and if you watch it back, you see how Mabel gets out of the ring. For a big man, he just kind of just right through the ropes and he's gone. Uh, but nobody noticed that Lawler, not with the shoes and head, went up under the ring. And, of course, then Shawn Michaels pulled him back out later on because he, he's like, oh, what, somebody under there? And he and, – when Sean lifts up the curtain, you can hear Jerry Lawler stuff going, hey, 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 what are you doing? Hey! <laughs> and he pulls not him cool. out. Huh? <laughs> not cool. Not cool, not cool! And, and gets him in there, and then he, he chucks him out. 
Um, and we've seen that later on, of course. Uh, Santino almost, you know, I actually had this as one of my runner-up runner-ups. Didn't make my top 20. Santino almost winning in 2011. He, he wasn't trying to hide it under the ring. He had just been knocked out of the ring, but it was through the ropes. And this was the one that um, Alberto Del Rio won with the 40-man. And they thought that Del Rio was done. All of Santino was standing behind him, and he's about to do the snake. He thought, oh, Santino may actually win this one, but then he didn't. But the last one that kind of an honorable mention is the debut of AJ Styles in 2016. And, and this is shocking – Nobody at the time thought WWE was interested in AJ Styles. It was much anticipated. I do. I this one I do remember the rumors that he was going to be going there, and I honestly didn't know a lot about AJ Styles at the time. I don't know how I missed it. Uh, maybe just it may have been one of the cases. I was just overseas and uh, other things going on at the time that I wasn't uh, focused so much on wrestling. Uh, just a lot of work and family stuff going on. Uh, too much, too much work stuff going on. Um, and AJ comes fresh out of New Japan, and just the, the the rumors at the time were he's available, but he's too small for WWE. They're not going to sign him. Blah 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 blah. He's going to go back to Impact. Whatever. And you're not sure he's coming, or if he is, how he's going to debut. And they put him in at number three, and he got not edge like, but he got quite a response. Like they they knew who he was. I think the response he got was from the people who actually keep up with wrestling, other than WWE, and a lot more than what I think. Vince would probably like to admit. What? There's wrestling outside of WWE? Yeah. And so it was the real, it was the wrestling fans, not the WWE fans. That makes sense. Um, but that will bring us to our number one. 1997, Stone Cold cheats to win. It's not and his fault the referee didn't see it. Not his fault. I'm going to say, not his fault. And the the pre-turn to the double turn at WrestleMania 13. I thought this was a good way to set up that match, um, even though Stone Cold would, normally would have had the world title match at the WrestleMania. They had... Uh, well, how did he? How did he end up losing the the title opportunity? I should say. Do you remember? Um, but we do know that the match that he and Bret Hart ended up having, because this was a feud that had been getting just nasty. And it was when the Attitude Era was really in its infancy. They all, I don't think they were really calling it that yet. But it was in its infancy, and, of course, Stone Cold was a big part of that because 
here he was. They were starting to say he was the um, the anti-hero, and um, oh, there was a four corners match at the next in your house. Oh, pay-per-view. so what happened here is uh, Shawn Michaels was the won the WWF title, Psycho Sid. And Bret Hart wins the the four quarters. Well, Stone Cold wins the Royal Rumble. And what ends up happening is Shawn Michaels loses his smile. Yep, sure did. And they do the four corners match at the next pay-per-view to create a champion, which Bret Hart won. And the following night, uh, Bret Hart and Psycho Sid have he, the match. Uh, Stone Cold interferes. Um, Undertaker comes out, and that's what set up the two big matches. And uh, Stone Cold Bret Hart at, in the submission match at WrestleMania 13. One of the greatest wrestling matches, period. Not just the WrestleMania match, one of the greatest wrestling matches. But this is a unique set of circumstances because Bret Hart legitimately eliminated him. Right. But the referee and, didn't see it. And there's replay because they're showing it on the screen. But the referees didn't see that either, obviously. Right. Bret Hart has a legitimate reason to be upset. Yep. But the referees were too interested in Terry Funk and, and Mankind. So they were fighting each other. And so referees had to go in there and break that up. Nobody's paying attention to what's going on inside the match. First, I'd find the referees for that one. You missed that? Yeah, yeah, you're fine. But that's just me. They should have had part of that in there. But, yeah, this was the one that was also in San Antonio. And. Just that legitimate argument uh, that Bret Hart had that we are cheering the anti-hero. He did get screwed at the Royal Rumble. A heel has a sparkle of truth, a piece of truth. And they believe it. Yep. Just like the uh, Freebirds when they turned on the Von Erichs. In Michael Hayes' mind, Kerry rejected his help, hit him in the back, and threw him out of the cage, even though that was Flair. And Terry Gordy came to his friend's aid. They were right in their mind. And this was a perfect setup for Bret Hart's heel turn because it planted the seed. Yeah. And Stone Cold, he has given Bret Hart so much credit for really helping to boost his career. And by boosting his career, he really boosted wrestling because Stone Cold was it. I mean, he was the face of wrestling for a few years. And he still is one of the main faces. You say Stone Cold, oh, yeah, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Everybody knows about it. They know what they know about Austin 316, even if they're not wrestling fans. They know about that. 
And so, but Bret Hart was a big part of that. And a lot of people don't give him credit for it, but Stone Cold does. And that's why when Stone Cold, when he went to the Hall of Fame, who inducted him? Bret Hart. Bret Hart. Yep. Um, and think about this. Bret Hart, you know, who was the brother of the man who almost crippled permanently Steve Austin. I mean, it was an accident. You know, but but that shows how much respect he had for Bret Hart because, yeah, he said, I want Bret to induct me because if it wasn't for Bret Hart, there wouldn't be a Stone Cold Steve Austin. And so that that one, ironically enough, we both had that one as our number twos, but because we had two totally different number ones, that's why this one ended up being like the number one overall because of the combined point total. And in historical impact, if you look at the Royal Rumble setting the table for the road to WrestleMania, that's that deserves to be the number one moment. Yeah, I mean, if we, yeah, if you really, really look at the impact, then absolutely. But even though that that particular WrestleMania was another one where that match was great, that match is one of the greatest. The overall Rumble was not. No. But so moving on, since we've now covered that, and for next week, and this is actually going to be pretty interesting, so everybody's going to kind of have to bear with this. This is going to be kind of an experiment. Of course, like Kyle also pointed out to him before, as we were talking before the show, everything we do in this podcast is an experiment. <laughs> so we're going to be armchair booking and like legitimately booking as in writing out and this is almost almost like fantasy booking in a way but not because we're going to start from where where wrestling is right now at least in WWE and we're going to be booking from the main from the Rumble this coming Royal Rumble on January 31st all the way to WrestleMania, you know, and we're and we're including WrestleMania as part of this, right? The WrestleMania card or the WrestleMania, the storylines. So we're going to book the Royal Rumble and foreshadow our WrestleMania card. That means we also have to get the pay per view or pay per views in between. Uh, I wouldn't say we should go into that level of detail yet because we we have time. Um, book book the the Royal Rumble this January 31st so you have two weeks to set it up Uh, book the Royal Rumble and show how it's going to lead to Wrestlemania even though we got monkey wrenches up I got a sneeze man that just came on all of a sudden Um, thank you we also we got the monkey wrench thrown in there today with uh, Drew McIntyre catching the Rona. So <laughs> we're, we're going to have to. Good. He'll, he'll he'll be available on the thirty first. Should be. So we're we're going to press forward like he's going to be there because that's what they're saying he is going to be there. So any any future ideas, Kyle? 
this is one of the uh-huh. things that we we've actually we've not run out of ideas. We've just been bad about getting um, getting ahead like the way we we were at one point. We were like three months ahead at one point, and now we're not. Um, as we go into this, uh, February will be a good month for us um, because you could do couples in wrestling. We are going to contact guests about some uh, minority figures or minority figures in wrestling, if it can be coordinated. Um, we have some people in mind that we want to talk to. Um I'd like to also discuss the the top ten gimmick matches, and when I say that, not specific matches, but gimmick match types, because we've we've discussed the top ten very specific gimmick matches in the past, but we have not actually discussed what we think are the best types of gimmick matches. I, I know we want to talk about uh, characters and stories that. Uh, Super Cena should have put over. We, even though we stay away from politics, we can talk about wrestling politics. And that's not a top 10 necessarily. That's just how politics actually plays a part in wrestling. That could be a very interesting show. That one, I really hope we have callers. We didn't have any callers tonight. That's actually the first, well, that's the first episode in a while we haven't had any callers. Uh, I guess maybe our, our, our breath must stink or something. But maybe that one, I mean, I expect to actually have some callers, hopefully. But that, that that's a good one. Um, and I, I think there are a couple, like we missed last Monday, was the anniversary of the finger poke at doom or mankind winning the WWF title. Yep. All broadcast on the same night, even though one of the, them had already taken place, but you know what? It still put a lot of butts in seats. And I was one of the ones who changed the channel as soon as Tony Schiavone said that, uh, something else that I would like to discuss is the, wh- what is a wrestling fan like what are the backgrounds because i think that's actually something that we wrestling fans tend to have a stereotype when it comes to non-wrestling fans what they actually think we're like and i want yeah. to kind of sit, i want to kind of set the record straight on Two-foot some of that sister dating trailer living i, I right. go on yeah <laughs> and i can tell you right now that that it is Okay, I'm not going to say there's not some of them, but I'm going to tell you the vast majority are not like that. But but before we go, um, I also do want to kind of mention, because we only got about two minutes left, Kyle, uh, but I want to kind of once again reiterate what Kyle and I were talking about at the beginning of the show. If you haven't talked to one of your friends in a while that you keep putting it off and putting it off, putting it off for whatever reason, give them a shout out, send them a message, send them an email, give them a phone call out of the blue. Nobody does that anymore. You know, shoot them a text message, right? Just ask how they're doing. Say, Hey, just thinking about you haven't talked to them a while because you never know 
what that'll mean to a person. And it Check on just you. say it again, Kyle. Uh, just check on your people. Yeah, but I say, yeah, say it again for the people in the back. And check on your people. Exactly. There's, we we are so connected through social media and different things. You name off 11 different avenues to hear the podcast or listen or communicate with us. But deep down, I, I've got 315 friends on a Facebook account, and I hear from seven of them. Yeah, I have. Um, you know, we're just through my travels, you know, around the world because, you know, so that's afforded me a little more opportunities than, than that number. But it doesn't change the fact the percentage is probably still about the same. And. Sure. We really do all of us a disservice. So, Kyle, if I've never told you before, I love you like a brother, man. I just and I mean that sincerely, and love you too, uh, and your family, and wish them all health. And so until, until next, until next week, talk. sir. And God bless you, and I will talk to you throughout the week. All right, man. Talk to you later.